Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in 2022, and it's lights out and away we go, and Charles Leclerc gets away well, as does Sergio Perez, and he's coming right at him now, as in the turn one, Leclerc looks up, Perez goes into the lead, Verstappen holds off Carlos Sainz, and it's Sergio Perez, winner last time out, who leads him. Here come the two Red Bulls, three to fights, out in front, Perez, Verstappen closing up on him, we've seen this before, haven't we? But this time around, Verstappen makes the move, makes it clean, and overtakes Sergio Perez and into the lead of the race. Oh, oh no, and now we have a blowout coming down the straight, and that is Charles Leclerc, whose teammate is out of the race, and Leclerc has an engine failure, and Ferrari have a double DNF. You can just bring this high max down this push. It's Baku, and it's back to the top step of the podium for Max Verstappen, who wins the Azerbaijan Grand Prix on once again another perfect day and a very happy Sunday for Red Bull. <laughs> was that a good race or was that a good race? You tell me. Welcome to F1 Nation. I'm coming to you. It's Damon Hill from the Baku paddock after the Grand Prix. The sun is going down. I've got Sky Sports presenters, guests, Johnny Herbert and Naomi Schiff, and of course our regular team with Natalie and Tom. Baku has delivered again, hasn't it? I mean, what a tremendous race. You guys have followed every lap of every session. Verstappen, Perez, Russell, Damon, what did you make of it? Oh, it was a good race. Although it was uh, a little bit of a surprise. We, we thought that uh, Sergio would continue with his surge, but he didn't. But of course, Ferrari... Um, massively disappointed themselves and everyone else by dropping out. Um, there was we deprived a little bit of a tactical race, which could have been interesting, but some good racing throughout the field, I thought. And Johnny Herbert and Naomi Schiffer alongside us, um, just stopping in to quench your thirst after what was a really hot weekend, wasn't it? My goodness. Yeah, pretty much. Always is, I suppose, at the end of the day. But no, it was a good weekend, uh, I think, overall. I think it was no surprise, probably, that Max came out on top. I think a lot of people thought Sunday was going to be his day. I'll tell you, one highlight for me was actually during the race with Fernando. During the race, he came on the radio, and I think he put his tyres on a little bit earlier. He said, I think this is a bit risky with these tyres. He said, I'll go three-tenths slower. He did it for about a lap and said, that's perfect now. But he made that decision, and that's such a lovely, experienced head on those shoulders, and I think it was a brilliant thing to see from the old master. Quite telling to see who is in control at Alpine. Uh, Naomi, what have you made of it all? It's been a bit of a whirlwind weekend, hasn't it? It certainly has. I mean, today has been uh, you know, a big surprise for me. I thought, you know, I was, it was quite clear to me anyway, after having looked at some data and looking at some sectors, that Max really had a race pace car. But I thought he'd have to fight a little bit more for it than he had to. I mean, Charles obviously had his issues, but even with Perez, who was lightning quick all weekend, just didn't seem to have the pace today. No one could answer to Max Verstappen today. What would have happened had Leclerc kept going? Well, Christian believes he had an answer to that. He thought that they would have finished 1-2 anyway. I have to say, I don't think they had. I mean, after the first corner, when Sergio got the jump, it looked like they were controlling the race to me, but... Um, it will never find out. That's that's a disappointing thing. But uh, we've still got a long way to go in the championship. But on that one, it's, it's it's an imponderable. But what they can't do is keep having failures like they've done. They've lost. Charles has lost what potentially 50 points because of 
uh, mechanical failures. Ah, now you see, we have guests, don't we, Nat? We do. We've got Andrea Seidel alongside us. And uh, yeah, we're actually drinking your beer. Is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. They didn't give you the good stuff, but it's okay. <laughs> Palm them off with the cheap stuff. Anyway, great weekend for you guys. Double points finish. Was that the best result you could have hoped for? I wouldn't say it was a great weekend, but given the performance we had this weekend, I'm very happy with the, with the six points, I would say. Damage limitation. And let's say a well-executed race from the team together with both drivers, given that we started from P11 and P12, so I'm happy with the six points. And how significant a weekend was it for Daniel Ricciardo? I think we all put a bit too much focus on this broken record at the moment. Uh, Daniel is uh, very experienced, he's working hard together with the team in order to deliver results similar to, to Lando. Um, so actually within the team, it's not... Uh, such a big topic as he's made at the moment. You say that, like but the reason records. we're talking about it is you because your team boss mentioned it publicly, and that was, you know, perhaps a slightly strange thing to do because it meant the public spotlight went on your driver. Yeah, I think also there we have to separate the different quotes that have been around and what actually happened on track each time, like in Barcelona where we had an issue with the car. Very happy with the performance Daniel could show this weekend, really all weekend. I think there was some good work going on last week between him and the and the team just to find these last percentages which are uh, sometimes missing where he's saying himself that he's not feeling that comfortable especially when he goes to quality pushing car at the limit so that's good and let's try now to keep this momentum up and uh, keep going in uh, Montreal. Andreas, Andreas, I wanted to see them race at the end. I wanted to see some wheel to wheel dicing from your guys but you got there first didn't you? I understand that uh, um, yeah there's a there would be interest to, to seeing that but in the end if you look at how the race went today, the different scenarios that we have seen, we, we saw climbing before the race, we prepared the race like that. And uh, in the end, I'm happy that I have two drivers I can rely on when it comes to the execution of the race. I don't think we could have done anything better compared to what we achieved in the end, and that is the most important thing. Yeah. There's no point if you lose two cars you go. crashing TC, you in, in each other. This. I want to do one more. I know I always do it, you but, but were, you bouncing? were you bouncing more here than at other tracks? The, the, the bouncing or purposing? Uh, we always had it as well, uh, looks like we don't have it to the same extreme as some other teams. But in the end it depends on uh, how much performance you want to compromise in getting rid of the purposing. And uh, it's not different for us compared to other teams. I'll let you go apparently. You do, you do. Right, Thank right. you Stay Andreas, thanks, great thanks to Thanks for chat. coming on the show. Christian Horner joins us now. How are you feeling? I mean, great result for the team this weekend. A phenomenal result, you know, great for Max and Checo. Sorry for Charles and Ferrari. Uh, and I, I think obviously the fans today missed out what could have been a, you know, could have been a, a, a fantastic finish because with that offset, you know, that we had by going longer on the medium tyre, I think we'd have had a tyre advantage in the back end of the race. So, uh, but it was important for us to collect those points. The team have done a wonderful job and, you know, very proud of everybody. Where are you going now? I'm going home. So uh, I've got to be back in the factory first thing in the morning. So wow. going to love you and leave you and uh, you have to find another victim. <laughs> Well done. Safe flight home. See you in Canada. 1-2. One, 1-2 two. One, two for Red Bull. Was that championship deciding? Uh, no, I don't think it is. I think it's, I think it's still clo too close to call. I think there's, there's definitely reliability questions still on the side of, uh, of Red Bull as well. I don't think they're completely on top of everything just yet. These are new cars. They, 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 you know, things will, will happen between now and the end of the season. And... Um, I think it's it's all to play for. The, the gap, because it's spread around between quite a few cars, I think the championship is still very tight for this stage. I mean, we've seen championships about this 
point of the championship, whereas people have got 35-point leads, you know, and even bigger than that. So, no, I think it's still open. And I agree with you, by the way. I think Ferrari are competitive, so they've just got to refine that reliability that they had in pre-season testing. Do you remember? We turned up, they just could do lap after lap after lap without any problems at all. And then now, as we start to turn the screw on these cars and introduce these developments, they're struggling. Red Bull, on the other hand, suffered with reliability earlier in the year, and they're now looking pretty bulletproof. So let's hope that Ferrari can uh, find that reliability. Quickly, Johnny, back to you. Charles Leclerc this weekend, that pole lap. I think it's something we've seen from him like in Monaco. Um, and he has this really sort of special ability to sort of really sort of have this 180 degree vision of what's in front of him. I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, you're looking here and you're breaking at this point and then you're turning to the apex. I think these guys have this ability to have this 180 degree and they just absorb all the sort of barriers and curbs and trees and buildings that are there and they're actually not looking where they're actually going. It's all happening in one sort of super phase and that's why I think he's able to do that qualifying in such a fantastic manner and it's great for us even as ex-drivers because it's it really thrills me to watch these guys you know have perfect kissing of the walls but again it's just brilliant to watch those 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 guys and Charles especially in that Ferrari getting those laps you know beautifully done but of course it doesn't matter what happens on the Saturdays what happens on the Sunday thing is Naomi the, the size of the task ahead for Carlos Sainz now difficult one for him now yeah honestly I think I feel the most for Carlos I mean there's been you know as Andrea said maybe too much attention drawn to Daniel when you know Carlos hasn't really been having a better time and I think sadly for Carlos he actually does have the pace in him we saw it yesterday in qualifying he was quite quick but um you know, he wasn't able to put it together. And then today he had that technical failure, which was just one thing he didn't need. You know, he needs to start getting those results in together to gain back his confidence because he is a race winning driver. We hope one day. <laughs> we hope, we hope. He's hoping. We hope and he's got the car underneath him that he needs. And we know that as a driver, he's proven to be stronger than Charles in some moments. So there's no reason why he couldn't do it. Damon, did you ever go through a point in your career where you struggle to get the rub of the green a la Carlos Sainz right now? Don't think so. I think it all went amazingly well in my Formula 1 career, actually, to be honest. Uh, I think Johnny would probably agree with that. But, um, you know, I think I got a lucky break being with the, with the top team we had. What I mean, it's like, is, is there like a four-race stretch where you just couldn't get a break? Yeah, completely. I mean, bad luck can't last forever. Carlos has got to not put... I think I wonder whether he puts too much pressure on himself. And that's actually, if he relaxed a bit, that's a really good point. You get actually. a little bit of a better because it seems to me he's there, and then when it comes to the final push, uh, there's some sort of uh, a deficit. And I think that's the difference. Well, he just needs a really strong race weekend. He just needs to draw a line under all this bad luck. And oh, Kevin! Ah, Kevin Magnuson, please join us. You nearly lost your car down the hill. Didn't you? It started rolling yeah, it did, up. Yeah. Did, what, did, did it was tough because the tires were pretty hot, and uh, I was I was trying to hold it on the tire, but they were like 100 degrees uh, hot. And the guy was just looking at me, didn't didn't react. Are you, are you getting this porpoising effect, Kevin? Is it really bad? It's pretty bad. I don't think we're the ones with the worst. I think uh, Mercedes are, but it is bad. It hurts a lot. <laughs> More has been promised, and it just feels, you know. 
must be demoralising the fact that you've had a couple of really tough races with, with you know, well, not even finishing. Um, how, how does it feel? What do you think this car has the potential to do? And how do you think you're going to fare in Canada? Well, we see what, you know, it's pretty clear that we always, on Sunday, we're in the fight for points. And, um, you know, that's encouraging. So I think it is tough. It's getting tough that it's constantly just not going right. And um, if it's not this, it's that, you know, if it's not engine, it's something strategy or safety car. It, it just, the ball isn't rolling at the moment, so. Only the car? Yeah. The car's rolling? Well, not literally, but, you know, it's, uh, it might <laughs> Kevin, be the next thing. <laughs> how much warning did you get of the failure in the race today? Nothing. No, no, it just, that, I think the turbo blew up, and um, so that just happened suddenly. Funnel, just before you came on, we were, we were discussing Carlos Sainz's bad luck. Do you believe in luck in this game? I mean, at the end of the day, it all leaves out, and you know, and statistically, you're not, you know, that's how you got to look at it. It, it. There's nothing that actually is going against you. It just waves, right? Sometimes you're on a tough, on a tough streak, and uh, certainly we are at the moment. I, I don't know with, with Carlos. I haven't actually been paying attention, but it's, you know, that that's how it goes. Sometimes you're on the opposite, where you feel like, wow, I can't do anything wrong, and it just goes right all the time. Now, just to change the subject completely before you go, um, I was chatting, look at me name dropping now, to Christian Eriksen, who is obviously a footballing legend, and he is going to come to Silverstone with a number of the other Brentford players. And he told me that Formula One has just blown up in Denmark, in his native Denmark, since you've come back into the sport. I mean, that must fill you with a huge sense of pride. Yeah, but I'd love to take all the credit for that, but I think Formula One has, uh, you know, have grown a lot, and uh, you know, Netflix has done a, you know, great job with the series. And yeah, but they want someone to, yeah, you know, root you. for. It's you. Oh, it helps, of course. <laughs> but uh, you know, I was actually I was in your boat last year, commentating, uh, you know, presenting, and and you know, I could see already then what last year's championship did for for the sport. It was such an exciting championship, and. Uh, Netflix covered it. It's been great this year in the beginning of the year when it when they released it and that's done a lot. You know, we can feel it everywhere we go. How that's much did it. you enjoy presenting? Was it more chilled? It was. I mean, um, I had a great time actually. It was fun to sort of suddenly watch the sport again. I'm, I'm a Formula One fan. You know, I've been my, my whole life and ever since I got to Formula One, I haven't been able to watch. I prefer racing, of course, but uh, I think people should drivers should start with doing this side of the job you learn more i've learned more about everyone else's you yeah, know yeah, careers yeah, but also and, they'd I think, be like, nicer to us because they realize that it's not that easy no well, it is easy no, no, compared no, well, no. to driving no but it's a lot well, easier oh, I, <laughs> sorry right. no if I, I just remember jensen I saying i tease you natalie i remember I jensen just, saying um Oh, actually, I'm sorry. I've, I'm sorry if I was ever tricky when I was a driver because, you know, you're only trying to do your job. You're only trying to be in the conduit for the fans. Tom Christensen told me that you find it really easy. Kev, you're a natural. Did he? That's, yeah. that's really nice to hear. Thank you, Tom. That's <laughs> your career post-racing sorted. Not that you're going to need it for a very long time. So well done. We'll yeah. let you catch your flight home and we'll see you in Canada. Mark Janay from Ferrari joins us now. Mark, I, listen, I know you're smiling, but what a difficult day for the Scuderia. I mean, it was such a shame because it, it promised so much. And when we saw the sublime lap that Charles was able to hook up yesterday, to not be able to translate that to a victory today must be heartbreaking for the team. 
Yeah, for many reasons. First one is because every time we've had a DNF on Charles, he's been leading the race, and that even is more painful. Then today we did the right strategy call, but then you don't sit on the result. So whenever we make a wrong strategy call, we are also leading. So every time we make a mistake, reliability or strategy, we lose 25 points, you know, and when we don't make that mistake, uh, not always we win. So very painful. Of course, there are positives. Main one, that was a very high speed track where you would have thought that maybe Red Bull were stronger. And I think today Charles would have won the race because the hard tires, they made it to the end with Ricciardo and Gasly that did many laps. So we have the pace. We all know, you know, that's the main thing, you know, uh, Johnny will tell you, you want to have the pace and then from that you have the reliability. But if you think about the championship and you look now at the classification, you know, it's a very high mountain to climb. Not, you can do it with a car so fast as ours. But uh, yeah, we are, today is something that we worry because not only us, you know, the two other cars had also issues, other teams. It is a mountain to climb, but after Australia, when Charles had a 46 point lead, people were saying, well, that's it. Max's championship is over and, and look how quickly things can change. It's a very, very long season. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's incredible how, how Red Bull have got back so many points and why not we can do that the same, the same way, you know? And with the car we have, for sure you can do that. Uh, now we have to see how, how important or, or the reliability issue is, you know, if it's a one-off thing or it's something because, you know, when you have an engine problem, sometimes you have to redesign and produce and it's some, not something that you do from one week to another. But uh, yeah, the, the good thing is that the car is fast in all type of trucks. We went from Monaco to Baku and we got pole and we were the quickest car today on the race. I think Charles, as I say, would have been able to win the race. So yeah, why not get back these 50 points? Yes. Mark, what have you changed in the power units? Nothing's changed. It's true. You know, I remember after the winter testing, we thought, I, I said even openly that reliability is one of the strong points of Ferrari. And uh, we're talking about three months ago. So no, nothing has changed. Today, I can tell you on the telemetry room, no one was expecting that. You know, it was really an unexpected failure. So now we're going to analyze it, at least know where it's coming from. But no, nothing has changed really. I mean, this is the second engine unit, but it's exactly the same spec as the first one. So it's not that we brought any some reliability updates, you know, the, the engine was exactly the same. But we were more aggressive than Red Bull and it was the right one. I, I'm sure it was the right strategy call, you know. So that shows that the team is not so influenced about the, such a difficult week we had uh, after Monaco. Just before you go, a quick word on Carlos Sainz. How important is it for him to have a really strong race weekend? Because it feels to me as if he could just do with that confidence boost. Do you believe a maiden Formula One victory is just around the corner for him? Is it within reach? It is, it is. It, it is true. I mean, uh, before Monaco, Barcelona in particular, you know, it was really tough for him. Barcelona was probably the, the, the most difficult moment of his career, for his, of his year. And uh, because, you know, he didn't feel comfortable with the car, he couldn't get the potential out of the car. And this weekend, for the first time this year, he had the strongest qualifying all year long, even though he qualified fourth, but he, he was very happy with it. Today we couldn't see much, he did only eight, nine laps. But yeah, to have Carlos on form is very important for us and to win a race, which he should win a race this season. So, yeah, other than the performance of the car, I agree with you, and the performance of Charles, who's been driving amazing all season, to see Carlos back on form, that's very good news for us, yes. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. So, a great day for Red Bull. Third and fourth in this Grand Prix, George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. Now, coming into today, 
I didn't think there was a chance in hell. Only if something happened, which it did, and but not in the way we expected it to happen. I mean, you normally expect some sort of catastrophe, someone pushing their luck and hitting the wall or something. I mean, actually, looking back, you'd have to say that all the drivers behaved themselves very well this whole weekend. I've hardly seen any incidents apart from uh, both Aston Martin drivers uh, going straight on uh, into the into the barriers at one point. But I mean, that was about it, wasn't it? There was there was virtually nothing in the race, and they were just mechanical failures. Let's talk about these physical issues in this Mercedes in particular. Uh, Lewis Hamilton before the race saying he wasn't sure he could make it to the end and then looked very sore when he was getting out of the car. George Russell as well. Do you think he really meant that? Lewis? Difficult to say. I mean, he looked very sore, didn't he, afterwards? But of course, there is this now, this big political battle about people wanting to get the FIA to stipulate uh, a minimum ride height to stop the cars bouncing. What I find interesting in that is that all the teams voted not to do that before the start of the season, Mercedes included. They went to the vote and said, shall we stop this porpoising by raising the ride height? And they all said no. And now it's become a thing. And of course, the people that are winning don't want to change. The people that aren't winning do want to change. I don't know where it'll end, really. Well, is that track specific? Is it flaring up because this massive bumpy straight here in Baku is is just exaggerating the problem. Do you think it will start to sort of peter out when we get to Silverstone? Um, I think it will. I think it's a, it was definitely exacerbated here by the bumpy straight. Max Verstappen saying after the race that actually you were having to pick your line down the straight because there was a sort of less bumpy route down the straight, which I thought was interesting. And I think we may end up having a similar thing in Montreal, which is always quite a bumpy track. They get those harsh winters there, don't they? So it, I think we could see it raise its head again in just seven days' time. Yeah, very bumpy, especially under braking areas as well. So more, it looks very flat around here at Baku, but I think that uh, you're going to see guys locking up. And if they're bouncing at the end of the straight, hitting the brakes when you're still bouncing and then you're hitting bumps on top of that could be a bit of a handful and a bit of a uh, a problem for the engineers to solve that one then yeah I mean I wouldn't expect Mercedes particularly to be too happy about that race coming up but the Ferrari looks much better on the bumps we're joined now by Daniel Ricciardo who's wearing a face mask everyone's everyone's getting like real curious why I've been wearing a face mask why not I have to pay to see his smile now <laughs> so I'm yeah. actually have to, it's a tenor these... tenor of smile I'd pay it it's good to see it back on your face are you feeling happier after this weekend uh, it's nice to be back in the points for sure I'm, I'm happier like it was certainly a better weekend than two weeks ago uh, I think as well on a on a difficult circuit so just like get a little bit of that kind of feeling back and the confidence back was was nice to get some of that around here uh, so yeah, it's a step in the right direction. I think as well encouraged that a lot of stuff we found after Monaco and talked about, like we, we worked on the sim, we're able to like put it into use on track. So like it doesn't always like kind of correlate. So to, to kind of have that feeling on the track as well was good. Did you have Lando covered or was he obeying team orders on the last lap? At, at the end, we had a bit of team orders, so yeah. we had, um, so at the start, there were some. Okay, Daniel, stay behind Lando one more straight. We need to see what pace he has in clear air. Daniel, let me know how much you're being held up. Yeah, I've got more pace. Okay, Alonso pitted into traffic. Lando's trying to overcut him. We'd like to sit behind Lando to give Lando that opportunity. If I sit behind any longer, I'm going to get eaten up by Gasly. Copy. So I was, let's say, holding back for, for that reason, and then they returned the favour and 
We, um, we have all the conversation on, uh, it's all been recorded, so we heard it all, it was very interesting. Yeah, I heard, everyone's like, oh, I heard you guys were, there was a lot of radio chatter, so I guess, uh, I guess uh, everyone found that exciting. <laughs> a lot of negotiating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on to Canada next, happy hunting ground for you there. Was that where you got your first win in F1? It was, it was, June the 8th, right. 2014. I remember it like it was yesterday. But it's a cool place. I mean, the track's awesome. The city's, it's just a good venue for Formula One. Um, we haven't been back since 2019. So I'm, I'm like as excited to go back to Canada as I am anywhere else. Hey, listen, we'll let you go and eat whatever's in that box. What, what is, is in, in that the box? box? It's yeah. a burger. Oh, a dirty burger. Nice, enjoy. Thanks so much for stopping by. Travel safe. Thanks, Daniel. Now, we're lucky enough to be joined by Daniel's McLaren teammate, Lando Norris. We've grabbed you. He just is about to head off, what, what to the airplane, Lando? No, what, no, I fly with the team tomorrow to Canada. And uh, we were just talking to, to Daniel, and it was sounded like there's a bit of negotiation going on there between you and the bit wall. And do you, it would be great if you could actually speak directly to Daniel, to Daniel. teammate. <laughs> I just speak in the corners all the time as he's braking. Psych! <laughs> Catch him out. Well, it was, it was good tactical stuff. I mean, if it was a race for the lead between you two, it would have been I mean, he helped me in the middle of the race, and it was, I mean, it's only fair that I helped him or didn't pass him again in the middle, uh, at the end, sorry. So um, it's just annoying. Like, you never want to, you never want to do that, especially because there's no risk or concern at the end. It was just me versus him kind of thing. But um, no, I played in team games. I played the team games, so I'm happy with that. Better to have uh, the both of you fighting <laughs> and being competitive than, I mean, I know you, it's nice to beat your teammate, but at the yeah. same time, it's kind of awk, it was awkward for Daniel. Not that you particularly care yeah. about that, but I mean, it is better, I would think, to have both for the whole team atmosphere. Yeah, yeah of course. To have Daniel up there, yeah. As much as just eighth or ninth, like either way around, I don't really mind. It's just pride. The main thing is, like, I'm, I'm only, I want, I'm only here to want to win races and win a championship. I'm not going to win the championship this year or, or anything like that, you know. So it's just um, making sure we can get the most points for the constructors. The more we can do, the more money we get, the easier it is for the team to spend it on, on good things. Can I ask, how powerful was the DRS on the pit straight today? Nowhere near enough for us. Because yeah. I was disappointed that you and Daniel weren't allowed to race. Just keep it clean, boys. Off you no, go. No, I was alongside into turn one. Yeah, I saw. But then I thought you backed out of it, didn't well, you? Well, I had to, yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. Go. I said to Andreas earlier, pity you didn't let them race. Just keep it clean, boys. I know. Just moving things forward to Canada, how do you think you're going to get on there? Do you like it as a circuit? I can't remember what happened last time. 2019 wasn't it, my first year. I DNF'd because my brakes caught fire. It's a nice track. It's bumpy. Thing is, you want like a. You need both. You need both things from a car. You want to be very quick in the straights because there's some decent straights, but you also need to be go good over the bumps. You need a, a car which gives you good confidence. Similar to, to what we have here. And. Um, we just didn't get that ratio correct of straight line speed versus cornering speed. But um, I just don't think we're as in good of a position as what like Alpine were today, let's say, with um, having a car that works very well at low downforce. Uh, we're just not in that the same position. We need to run a high downforce for the car to just work, let's say. So um, we'll see, we're trying to come up with some things for next week, but um, it's also a different circuit, a new weekend. so. How did you get on with jet lag? It's what, an eight, eight hour time swing from here? Is it? Yeah, something like uh, that. Golf helps me normally, so I'll golf be on the does? golf course. Oh, really? How golf I mean, helps it, it with everything. Golf it does. does. Golf helps golf nothing. Golf is life. Golf helps, it helps nothing. I've played a bit of golf recently and it really didn't help That's me in any way. rubbish. <laughs> Lando's pretty tasty. Patient, you know, golf takes time. 
I'm a guy that wants to win now, <laughs> but I know I'm not going to win for years. Same with golf, you know. I want to be a, I want to be in the live tournament, and a, <laughs> I want to be a PGA pro, but I know I'm not going to be. You can't do both. <laughs> Maybe one day I can, but um, no, it just it takes time. But I don't know. I can just spend the day out there and. You got a lovely golf spring because I know that. Because uh, was it Abu Dhabi last year? Yeah, time? we were uh, or something. Oh, it was Bahrain. Yeah, we played. We saw you. You went to the range after having either been beaten by Carlos or beating him. I don't remember which. Oh, so yeah, we, we were did, having we a beer afterwards, and you went to the range. You... Oh, I didn't stop. I know. You... I'm, I'm at my like best perfection. now. I just got some PBs the other day. Oh, you. Right. So, um, what's the PB? I mean, so I know it's a personal eight, best, but what score? Eighty-five. That's very good. Yeah, seventy-five. <laughs> All right, mate. Thank you for your time, Lando. No worries. Travel safe. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Take care. Go well. I find it a strange thing that racing drivers are, by definition, incredibly impatient. They want success now. They're looking for yeah. that last. And they're... They all play golf, which is the complete antithesis. Yeah, but I think that's probably what's calming and therapeutic about it. And gets rid of the jet lag. Maybe. By the sounds of it. Maybe. Now, there's a few other people we haven't talked about so far on the show. And uh, Johnny, in the corner, I wanted to ask... <laughs> I wanted to ask you about this battle between Hamilton and Gasly. We first saw it at Imola a few races back. Very yeah. respectful. And we... They were going for it again today, and yep. I thought both of them keeping it very clean and some really solid racing between the two of them. Yeah, but they're both good racers. Uh, obviously, we know how Lewis is always able to battle the very best and has done for, for many, many years. But Pierre has a very, very good ability to be able to, one, place the car. He seems to absorb the pressure that he's been put under when he's being pushed from behind. But when he's actually then trying to push to overtake, He's also got that ability to actually place the car as well. He's a very, very good rounded race driver. And I think that's something that sometimes we've, we've, we've lost in more recent races, but it was great to see it sort of bounce back today. And Johnny, with your management head on, if you were looking after Pierre Gasly, what does he do next in his career? Because Sergio Perez signed up at Red Bull Racing for another couple of years. That is no longer an avenue for him. Yeah. What does he do next? I think he's got to do what Daniel did, is break away from sort of... And go where? Well, this is the thing at the present time. Those, those choices have sort of shrunk a little bit. The, the thing that he's got to try and do is when that window of opportunity happens, he's got to have that ability for AlphaTauri, Red Bull, whatever, to sort of say, OK, if there is an opportunity, you, we're allowing you to go because I think that is so, so important for him as a racing driver because you don't want to be stuck in the same team like Alfa Tauri, as good as they supply him, you know, a good car for the rest of his career. I mean, I don't want sort of Red Bull almost to sort of stop him having and blossoming in, a, in, a, in another team. But I think he's got to have that ability of when there is that, that occasion that they do allow him to make that choice. So if Vettel calls it a day at the end of the year do you think he's straight on the telephone to Mike Crack I think he should be straight 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 there already I think he should already make in sort of you know inquiries to exactly what they want to do and say yeah I'm ready and I'm I'm willing to to come on board and I think that's where sort of drivers sometimes have to make those harsh decisions if you call it that but from a career perspective it'd be the right thing for him to do the thing is I think Vettel's going nowhere I think these past couple of races, he's been decent, hasn't he? Great yeah, sure. race 
uh, in Monaco. He finishes sixth on the road here in Baku as well. But I will also say as well with, with uh, Lance. Now Lance has had a bit of a sort of difficult time uh, of late. And I sometimes think there is a certain time that if it doesn't quite sort of happen, but I, I, this is me, I think Lawrence has got to go, go son, I've given you a chance, he isn't quite working out. And you know, I've got to do what's right for the team. And I think there will be a point that's going to happen. I don't exactly know when that will be, but it's down to Lance actually to do the job that he needs to do and consistently do that job. At the moment, it's a little bit scrappy. Yeah, he had a scrappy weekend here, yeah. didn't he? Now, Fernando Alonso, P7, he's a wily old sod, isn't he, Damon? I like him. <laughs> you like him for that? <laughs> I like him. He's so cunning. He's a clever, I mean, was it? Um, you know, Alex Albon called him uh, an incredibly smart guy, you know, because he was up to games in qualifying, wasn't he? He was definitely up to his old tricks. But we kind of have a sneaking admiration for the trickster, you know, the guy who somehow can play everything to his own advantage. And he does it with a little cheeky smile as well. So, uh, and he performs. It's not like he's he's being a nuisance and not delivering he's delivering you know and he delivers for alpine and he's uh, i'd rather have him in than an outside and, and and doing the same to you you know so is age just a number what is uh, he? it has to get you eventually it has he's, to it has to catch you up eventually. he's 41 at yeah. the end of at the end of july isn't yeah it? i think it has to, I, I mean exhaustion doesn't seem to set in doesn't it or oh, lack of enthusiasm he wants to as you said to him now you know, uh, we've got uh, one more crack at the front end. He'd, he'd jump at it, he'd be there and he'd probably win. So the problem is for a top team, how long is he going to be there for? And, and how much carnage will there be uh, once he starts to, which he tends to do, get involved in the running of the company and the politics of it? I think there's less of that now, isn't there? I think Alpine is, I mean, Laura Rossi doing a great job running the team. I think Fernando, I think has a huge sway on what happens there, but I think he very much defers to the management, which has which I you're think he learned his lesson, didn't yes. he? I, he definitely, uh, definitely overstepped the mark when he was at McLaren in the first yeah. uh, uh, age and also in Ferrari. Natalie wants to go now. Now, do you want to go? We don't want to keep you. Our flight is at 4.30 tomorrow morning. We need to leave for the hotel at two o'clock tomorrow morning. The question is, do we go to sleep now and have a couple of hours kip or do we pull an all-nighter? I think I know what you're going to say. So we haven't got any choice, have we? I mean, we, you know, there's no point going to bed now, is I mean, there? So it's, it, what time is it now? Seven o'clock It's seven what about now. a six-hour podcast. We could just keep talking. Johnny, it looks well, like no, you're we, pulling an all-nighter. Listen, we have to think of the listener, Tom. <laughs> you know, much as we think we're great, you know, someone has to listen to this and I think they've probably had enough already. <laughs> well, look, let's end it with our driver of the day, Naomi, driver of the day. Ah, uh, you've got to say Max Verstappen, don't you? I mean, the pace that he pulled out of that car today was just unbelievable. Then also George Russell. I mean, he's really, you know, an underdog in this championship. Yeah, we're only allowed one. I was That's. Say, <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to decide between the two of them. It's got to be between the two of them. No, no, you no, decide. I see what she did there. So she was, she was going to go. She went with the winner, and then she started scanning her way down the list. She was like, actually, actually, but I'm having Russell. Okay. Okay, you have Russell. I nick Russell. I nick Russell because. That was brilliant. I'll go with Max. George. I'm going to have Daniel Ricciardo and I'm going to tell him that you didn't choose him for driver of the day. Oh. There you go. Now you're in trouble. <laughs> Johnny. Do you what? Pierre Gasly. I think he did a cracking job today and that's only going to be good for his future. Pierre. Uh, well, I'm scanning the list. I mean, I, I'm kind of... I thought Max Verstappen was 
inch perfect today, but I'm going to go a bit left field and say Charles Leclerc, it didn't last long, but that guy has not put a foot wrong all weekend. Well, he and did go wrong in turn one, didn't he? He did go wrong in turn one. I thought you'd pull me up on that. Oh. <laughs> okay, I better take that back then. Um, I just, I tell you what, I'm, I'm slightly um, swayed by his qualifying pace. I just love watching Charles Leclerc. I'm going to put it out there that I don't think there's a faster driver on the grid over one lap. Discuss. I agree with you. He's one of he's one of them. I, I honestly I don't know. Sergio's done some pretty fantastic laps as well, but uh, consistently though. Okay, all right. Max Verstappen. What about Saudi qualifying? Was it last year? Well, until I mean, he crashed. Was just until he crashed. But I mean, that was yeah. <laughs> that is the problem. Now, Naomi, you shook your head to say Tom doesn't know what he's talking about when I said Charles Leclerc, fastest man over one lap. Okay, but let me just clarify one thing. Fastest man over one lap in equal cars or fastest man over one lap in the cars that they have at the moment? Because that very much changes things, doesn't it? Now we've got criteria. I mean, just... <laughs> <laughs> just 2022. absolutely knackered. He just wants Fastest nice, man over one lap, 2022, with the cars they have. I agree with you, Charles Leclerc. We've got a thing going on now. Okay, that's good. <laughs> you live in hope, TC. <laughs> yes. Johnny... Uh, we normally have a section on the show called Ask Damon. We don't have access to the uh, audio files sitting here in the Baku paddock, but I know you've got a burning question to ask the big man. Yes, yeah. Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. It's a good question, actually. Well, I'm, I enjoy it, and I get to uh, chat in a relaxed and informal way with uh, people I love. Oh. It's been uh, lovely to work with you all and um, yeah, it's been hot, it's been hard work but really enjoyable and a great race. So thank you everyone for your company and thank you guys for listening. F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios.